Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. The U.S. Supreme Court in Sackett versus EPA has finally provided some clarity on one of the most basic questions in environmental law. What waters are regulated under the Clean Water Act? Now, that's not my original writing, folks. That actually came from Darren Bax, who wrote a blog about a recent ruling by the Supreme Court with regard to the Clean Water Act. Well, you may not know much about the Clean Water Act, but you're going to learn because it's very important and it really has impacted a lot of homeowners and businesses and property property rights. So anyway... Darren Besk is a, a senior fellow with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. He's also an expert in climate, energy, and environment. Darren, welcome to A Consuming Interest. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you. This is a very interesting subject. So give us a little background on the Clean Water Act. Yeah, it's been around a, a long time. And... What's interesting about it, um, I say a long time, about 50 years, but what's interesting is that for pretty much most of, the, of its life, it's not really been clear what waters are even regulated under the statute. That might seem silly, but it's been an ongoing uh, issue. And that means it's very complicated for property owners because you don't know whether or not you have a, what's considered a water on the property. And if you inadvertently, you know, in, even in theory, kick dirt into a particular water without getting a permit from the government, you might find yourself that you're going to, you might find that you're going to be in trouble with the federal government. So it's kind of almost like a, I think it was kind of a Kafka-esque type of novel where you, you have no idea why you violated the law, but somehow you get the knock on the door from the government that you, they allegedly think that you have. It's just very difficult for people to even know whether or not they're covered under the law. And it's just been a nightmare for so many years. And the Supreme Court case that you were talking about, Sackett versus EPA, looks like it has provided some clarity for property owners across the country. So I think some of the some of the nightmare stories may be put to an end, or at least be helped to be put to an end. Oh, yeah, it was an interesting ruling, and the majority of the court voted for it, whatever their reasons were. There were some, uh, I guess, some disagreements on some of the basic uh, reasonings. But finally, the majority came through and said, yes, uh, the Biden, well, actually, I think it started in the Obama administration, who had really expanded the Clean Water Act. And then uh, Trump, I believe, um, put a stop to it. And then under the Biden administration, they've gone even farther. So this ruling is in result of some of the things that were happening for the past few years. Is that correct? Well, it's been always, always, but it was an expansion of the Clean Water Act what believe, beyond what many people believe it was meant to cover to begin with. Yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, really, even before Obama, uh, it had been broadly interpreted. So you have the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers that implement and enforce the law. And both agencies have just decided to do a federal power grab and try to usurp the power of state and local government. Uh, and 
And that's contrary to what Congress intended with the Clean Water Act. They always envision states playing the lead when it comes to protecting water. So that that's a problem. Yeah. And so there's oh, been an overreach for a long time. But then the Obama administration, as you said, issued a rule that got a lot of controversy, um, which took things to a new level. The Trump administration issued a rule that basically got rid of the Obama rule and also came up with a, a more narrow definition. And then the Biden administration issued a, a new rule recently that kind of goes back to what Obama was doing and maybe even made things worse. There's a there's an acronym here that I, I guess that's the right word for it, WOTUS, right. which yeah. stands for Waters of the United States. And, you know, I guess in reading some of the things that have been going on, my thought would be that WOTUS stands woe to us if we violate these rules. At least that's been uh, <laughs> that's, exactly I like that right. interpretation, right? <laughs> it <laughs> Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, the big thing here is that people who owned land did not know what they could actually do with it if they had a little puddle of water sitting somewhere in the middle of it. I mean, that's probably uh, an exaggeration, but not too far off the point from what I gather. Is that correct? No, it's not really an exaggeration, actually. Uh, there, you know, the, the justices have long recognized that, and other judges have also recognized that the, the Clean Water Act is different because it's one of those laws where you genuinely don't know whether or not the law applies to you unless you get like an expert to tell you. So it's, and even if, and so one of the problems is that what the agencies do is they came up with these vague and subjective definitions of what waters are regulated and allows them to have this flexibility to apply the law however they want. So, and one expert might think, or one, the EPA or one core office might think one thing, another office think another. So it was just, there's no way to ever know what am I dealing with? And if yeah. people, I want to make, it is important to understand when we're dealing with we're talking about waters, we're not necessarily, at least in the past, we've been we're not talking about like, oh, look, that's a stream or that's a lake. No, we're talking about what people might think of as dry land, but technically the, the then the government says, oh, no, that's a wetland because, or that's a covered, that's a tributary that's covered because a few days of the year that dry land can hold water for a few days. Therefore, we're going to say it's connected to this other water and it's connected to this other water, and therefore we can regulate it. So they were always playing this game. So you just never knew what, you know, whether or not you're going to face the wrath of the federal government. And there's civil and criminal penalties um, for violating the law. Uh, and what happens, a lot of property owners can do so inadvertently, you know, not being pretty much innocent. And we're not talking about polluting in the sense of, they're dumping toxic waste in pristine waters is like, you know, this is impression that people kind of have. No, we're talking about people who just want to build a house, plow their land if you're a farmer, um, just do basic things. Well, the, and that was the case of the Sackett case that got the ruling from the, uh, from the Supreme Court. They wanted to build a house on their land and they were told they couldn't do it because it was regulated, it was protected under the Clean Water Act, and yeah, um, which, as you said, that was probably a real overreach, and, and uh, but it did allow a case to be brought to the Supreme Court 
to clarify all of this for homeowners, so uh, property owners. And so consequently, um, maybe it was a good thing they were kind of overreaching there. But at any rate, let's just uh, take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. My guest is Darren Bast. He is a senior fellow with the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and he's also the deputy director of their Center for Energy and Environment. And Darren, this is really an important issue because it affects people all over the country. I knew someone in Florida who owned a ranch who, under the rulings, was restricted from doing a lot of things that his family had been done doing for years. It was a third generation ownership. And consequently, the economy of this ranch suffered, you know, and in some cases they had to sell off some property to pay for the lack of income and to lay off people who had been working on the ranch. So it was a severe impact on this, this family. And I'm sure they're cheering with this ruling, but um, the real life cost about it that you mentioned that some of the, um, some of the fines that were levied, I think people were threatened with fines up to $40,000 a day. I mean, that'll break you in a hurry. So what, what do you see as the result of the new act? And is this going to allow people to continue with using their own property, which is the, the issue of property rights has always been a big one in this country. That's a great question. If I can take a real quick step back, I think it's important for people to know in this Sackett versus EPA case that the, the Supreme Court was unanimous that the EPA and CORA were overreaching when it came to the Sacketts. Um, and so that's an important point. So the, the, the disagreement was connected to kind of the like a, a test that the, the, the government should use to figure out what waters are considered. But as it relates to the Sackett, in terms of the overreach, it's unanimous. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Oh, no, there. no, that's, that's really, it, that's, it, and, and I think what happens is, is a lot of folks don't recognize that. Um, and, and I think some people don't want people to recognize that, let's just put it that way, is they want to make it seem like a more divided opinion than it really is. It was not yes. a divided okay. opinion. It's all, the court was also unanimous on something, I won't get too in the weeds on this, but there, Justice Kennedy had developed was a test called the significant nexus test. And it, it basically enabled the agencies to, to kind of engage in this overreach. The Supreme Court unanimously rejected that overreaching test. So that's also really, important. Uh, so the, the opinion, as a result of this opinion, look, if you're a property owner and you don't know whether or not, first of all, it's costly to get permits as it is, and it can take a long time. So even if you kind of go through the motions, it's, you, you have a disincentive to actually get, use the land that can permission from the government uh, because of the cost. And but But the bigger, but another issue is you may not even bother to engage in certain actions because you're just scared of violating the law. You don't know what the law is. You don't know whether or not you're regulated. And so you combine that with the kind of these agencies basically restricting your ability to use your land or even if they don't say you can't, the fact that you know that they at any time can 
tell you that, and you could be subject to severe penalties. You don't, what you do is you decide not to build a house. You decide not to farm land. Or if you're a local government, you decide not to build a roadside ditch that you need. Um, so it's, for property owners, it should be a big relief. Uh, and I stress this is not about, you know, these evil polluters that are trying to dump toxic waste everywhere. It, what we're dealing with are referred to as dredge and fill permits, where people are literally just trying to move land, dirt, to try to build like a house, like I was just saying, or farming their land. So this will be a big relief. I think this paying for your friend in Florida, the rancher, and for mm -hmm. other property owners, because what it does is it provides some clarity by saying the waters that we're talking about are considered to be relatively permanent waters that we would ordinarily think of as a water, a body of water, like a lake, stream, river. And then as it relates to wetlands, because that's what the case is also about, is when we're dealing with wetlands, to figure out whether or not it's actually regulated, a wetland, it needs to be so that you can't tell where that, let's say we're dealing with a lake, like you can't tell where the lake ends and then the wetland or the land begins. So it's like, it needs to be a completely connected. So, it's, and that's the reason, so the court was saying there has to be a continuous surface connection between the water, the regulated water, like the lake or stream, and then like the, the wetland itself. So if you can tell where there's a, a mark is demarcated and is separated, then, then the government cannot regulate that alleged wetland anymore. So that's pretty somewhat easy to understand in the grand scheme of things, at least compared to what has existed in the past. Do you see that the states, um, will they will have more oversight under this new ruling by the Supreme Court? Yeah, I think what's going to happen. Does, it yeah, probably sorry. does. I didn't mean to misstate that. I don't think that it, it's not explicitly saying you've got more uh, power here, but rather that the, it, it was originally intended, The clean, as I understand it, and I think you said the Clean Water Act was intended for state and local governments to enforce the regulations in their own jurisdictions, not as a federal issue. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So the Congress always envisioned the states to play the lead role, exactly what you said. In fact, the, right at the start of the Clean Water Act, it says that so states sort of play the lead role and that, you know, that in fact, Congress needs to preserve and protect that state role. So that's completely gone off the, you know, what's happened is states and the EPA and Corps have decided they wanted to play local zoning board for, for the last de you know, mm -hmm. decades and whatever. So what's going to happen is you're going to hear that, oh, there's going to be so much fewer protected waters now. Well, no, what you're going to have is you're going to have fewer federally regulated waters compared to what the EPA and Corps would like to regulate. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be protected waters. First of all, states can come in if they want, and they can regulate the waters if they think something needs to be regulated. Not, and we shouldn't necessarily assume to protect waters, you have to have regulation. There's other ways to protect waters. Well, uh, you know, most homeowners or, and landowners generally i believe are responsible they want to maintain the pristineness of their property they don't want to do damage to it but they've been so hamstrung by such severe regulations that i know in the case of the ranch in florida 
there was a lot of things that had to be stopped because of the broadening of the Clean Water Act. And uh, it severely impacted the, the property. I mean, it was, uh, it was interesting. I, I was unaware of all of this until I took a tour of this ranch and uh, discovered what was, what was happening. So it impacts real America. It impacts the property owners. And as you say, it's really not protecting the waters. His, his property, there wasn't a lake or anything in sight. Let me tell you, this was in central Florida. Um, and there wasn't anything around him, but it was just some areas that were, they were deemed wetlands and he couldn't do anything with it and a lot of it. So I'm glad that you brought up the property owners because property owners generally, you know, they have every incentive to take care of their property. Of course. Um, and, you know, people tend to forget that and that there's private solutions to water issues. If there are, you assume that there is an alleged water issue, but states let's say we wanted the government let's assume the government should be involved in some particular water issue it doesn't necessarily have to be regulation it could be other mechanisms that could be like incentives and others to address the water issue um but the moral of the story is that the states and local communities they're, they're closer to the the water issues affecting their communities they're the ones that impacted by the, any type of environmental issue, they're, they're in a better position to identify solutions that best meet their needs and to protect their waters than a federal government that's not close to those waters and tries to impose a one-size-fits-all solution. So what's going to happen is, yeah, the dynamic will start to change. You'll probably have, you're going to have less federal meddling and where there's a need to step in for any environmental protection, states and local governments will play that role. Or pro and I think, as we were talking about, property owners and private actors will start to yes. pull out that role. And for people that say, "Oh, states aren't doing much now," or whatever. Well, if the federal government is doing everything, then why would the state do much? So sure. it, the dynamic will change, and, and that's what we want. We want these issues to be addressed more at the state and local level. Yeah, and because the states should be more closely attuned to what's going on into their own areas, and they have a they have a vested right, I mean, a vested interest in making sure that their waters are clean, that their properties are not being destroyed. So there's a lot of reasons for this, and and I think many Americans believe that that we we need to have a lot of influence from the local communities because I I can tell you that in my community here in, in this area. If we were doing something that was going to be damaging to the environment or anything else, you'd hear about it. So it's, and I appreciate and respect that. Um, and so consequently now, is this something that is just the, the expansion? I mean, excuse me, the definition of what clean water, of, of what is covered under the Clean Water Act is going to be more uh, finally uh outlined so that the homeowners, businesses, property owners, whatever, can more clearly define what is right and what they can do on their own property. Now, this is going to affect a lot of people in this country and what some of the regulations and restrictions they face. So how do, how do homeowners or property owners go about finding out whether or not they can actually do something now under the recent as you pointed out, unanimous ruling by the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think 
this is actually an issue I've been talking to folks about um, recently is that the the EPA and the core have to get rid of the rule that they just issued on trying to find what water is regulated. Just, mm -hmm. just as background, the, the Biden administration had proposed their definition of what waters are regulated in, I think, last year. And then that was before we knew that Sackett EPA case was coming up. Mm -hmm. And we knew, everybody knew that this Supreme Court case was going to provide some clarity as, as to what, how to define what are the waters that are regulated, what are known as waters in the United States. Yeah. But instead of waiting for the Supreme Court to issue this opinion, the Biden administration, for reasons unbeknownst to me, decided to finalize the rule anyway, a matter of months before the Supreme Court just issued their opinion, you know, some weeks ago. So you, it, just cre it just shows how the EPA and court don't care about creating more confusion. So now what mm -hmm. the agency is going to have to do is they're going to, they will likely need, they will need to withdraw the rule. And it's going to, we'll have to figure out, we need to see how the EPA and core decide they're going to implement the Supreme Court opinion. Obviously, they need to be consistent with it. But if, if the past teaches us anything, we've seen that EPA and core try to take the broadest possible interpretation of the opinion to make it so that they can regulate as much as possible. So while the Supreme Court has been done a really great thing for Americans and for property owners by clarifying what waters are regulated under the Clean Water Act, this is still an ongoing issue because we still have to see how the EPA and core how they implement it. Uh, and don't be surprised if, unfortunately, don't be surprised if it takes a little while to get some real clarity. So what will happen is the EPA and core will likely issue what's called guidance. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll probably develop a new rule that uh, down the line. But, you know, it's given the honestly, the way this administration has been very expansive in their interpretations of stuff, I, I wouldn't be surprised that their guidance is not as consistent with the opinion as we would like it to be. Yeah. So we have to see how it plays out. But the more well, now, what 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 is the comeback for property owners? We only got a couple of minutes here, but what is the comeback for property owners if, in fact, the EPA doesn't really release or, re, or, or reduce these restrictions that would be in keeping with Supreme Court? Another lawsuit? What what is the uh, what is the what is the fallback position for property owners? Look, the, the EPA and CORE are going to be, they're going, they're not going to have the, the amount of power that they've had and not even close. And the, re, the this case, real, very significant clarity for property owners. It might take a little while to kind of get the agencies to properly implement the opinion because it is a big opinion and it will take them time to kind of right, implement right. regulations. So that's to be expected. It's not, that's just the, the reality of it. So there might be a little bit of a delay um, if it turns out that they try to issue guidance or regulations that are not consistent with the opinion, then the, yeah, there will be a lawsuit. I'm sure somebody yeah. will too. Well, and, thank you, Darren. That is yeah. the final word that we're going to have here. It's <laughs> been a very enlightening and interesting discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Of Consuming Interest. My my guest has been Darren Bax. He is a senior fellow with the uh, 
Competitive Enterprise Institute. You're listening to the Federal News Network. I'm Shirley Rooker. This is of consuming interest. If you want to reach me, you can do so at Shirley at callforaction.org. Thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.